Yes, hello. Mental hospital? Yeah, hi. Um, I wanted to see if I could reserve the family suite. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. For any new listeners, I am Andrea, and I am the the resident shit show around here. I'm an adult child. I'm a recovering alcoholic. You should be very grateful I don't drink anymore. And if your name is Brian and you have a drinking problem, well, then there is a high probability that I would love to date you. So today you're in for a damn treat. And I know that I say that often, but I think I'm, I'm serving up a lot of damn treats to y'all today included. So today I am joined by four siblings and we are getting into their dysfunctional upbringing. So we've talked about how siblings can grow up in the same family, in the same home yet have vastly different perspectives, vastly different experiences, impacted in vastly different ways. So today, I would say that of these four siblings, their perspectives on their childhood is is pretty similar. Um, some remember certain details while others don't, but they definitely all agree that it was, <laughs> it was fucked up. Um, and the way, though, that it has shaped their lives, that has impacted them, does differ. This is actually going to be a two-parter. So today, we're going to be getting into their childhood, what that was like. And then next week, we are going to be talking about how their dysfunctional upbringing has impacted their lives as adults and what family dynamics look like today in the present. So buckle up. This is a really good one. As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm going to keep my my part short today. Um, but a few quick things before we go. Oh, but before I get into that, I forgot to mention. So I sent out a survey yesterday, last night, to my Patreon shit shows regarding their childhoods and their siblings. So asking questions like, do you have a different perspective on your childhood compared to your siblings? If so, please elaborate. Do you feel like your childhood has impacted your life as an adult in different ways? So I'm going to give this another week for them to answer, but so far the answers that I've received, there's some there's some juicy nuggets in there. So next week in the episode, I will be providing uh, a summary of the results of that survey. So we had our workshop with Saskia Lightstar, How to Quiet the Inner Critic. It was so damn good. So, so good. Thank you, Saskia. We'll definitely be doing more workshops with Saskia. And I'd, I'd like to do this particular workshop again, because I think there's so many of you out there that would greatly benefit from it. However, our next workshop, which I'm super excited to announce, will be on August 6th, Saturday, August 6th at 
12.30 Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, and this is with Barb Nangle, who was on the pod a few weeks ago, and this one is titled, Discovering Your Real Identity, Boundaries for Recovering Shit Shows. Yes, 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 boundaries. Boy, do we need help <laughs> in that arena. So let me read to you the um, the little description that Barb gave me for this one so you can know what the hell we be doing in this. In this two-hour hands-on workshop, you'll learn about building boundaries in the context of ACA recovery. There will be nine different interactive exercises to help participants reflect on their patterns around boundaries and learn how to build boundaries. So this will be going on sale in the next week. So stay tuned there. I will be posting it and making it available first to Patreon members and then to the rest of y'all. So stay tuned for that. Um, as always, Damn the Join Patreon, also known as Join the Damn Patreon, which is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups. It's also where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. You can also give me a little follow on the Instagram, on the TikTok, at adultchildpod. And of course, give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. If you're new here, that's what we do here. So do it now. Thanks. Today, we have four siblings that all still talk to each other. <laughs> what is this? This is crazy. Hey, I, I've been observing beforehand, guys, and they've actually been like, they, they actually seem genuinely interested in one another. So this is quite a sight to see. So uh, welcome. We're going to just call you the shit show family. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> So let's start oldest to youngest. Introduce yourselves. Um, my name's Joanne. I am the oldest. Okay, Sam. I'm an adult child. Hey, that would make me next. I am Matt. I'm uh, definitely qualified for sure. So. <laughs> and I'm Katie. I'm the youngest and definitely an adult child of an alcoholic and a narcissistic mother. Nice. Welcome. So how are you feeling about doing this? nervous i'm excited mm -hmm. to tell our story if, if i can be honest i hope other people can learn from it because wow we went through yeah. some stuff i i am i gotta say i'm hesitant to like i kind of my my life thing is just to let the past be in the past so yay we get to drag all this old crap up so that's not something i'm looking forward to but if it can help other people then cool it can and you know the thing that i always say when we talk about talking about the shit that happened to us. It's like, we have to, it's not about bashing. It's about like understanding the causes and conditions that, ma that made us the way that mm -hmm. we are, you know, and yep. how we heal and learn. So the other thing that I say is that this dysfunction does not just pop out of nowhere. I'm pretty right. confident that it did not begin with your mother or your father. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So they're just a product of their own upbringings as well. So, and I like that you said that because you said I've heard you say that before. Generational. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know the thing, if I might add, um, I had a had a revelation 
I don't know, a couple years ago that I was like 10 years older than my mom and dad when, when they were going through this crap. And I'm like, mm. I barely had my stuff together, you know? Imagine mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I'm like, ah, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of, it's still harsh to go through, but you give them a little bit of a break. They had four kids living insanity and barely holding it all together. So, What do you know about your parents' upbringings? Let's start there. Do we know much? I don't think so. I do. Yeah, you yeah. Uh, I don't know much about my dad's upbringing, to be honest. Um, but my mom, you know, she was a magnificent singer. And so she was really idolized and, and, and put on a pedestal at a very, very young age um, for her singing abilities. And the nuns really just implored her musical ability to be number one in her life. No friends. You know, it was the primary uh, reason for her living. And, um, you know, my grandmother brought in, bought into that. Um, my uncles kind of, her two brothers kind of went to the wayside in the adoration of my mother. And um, so my mom didn't have, like, she was not encouraged to have friends. She was encouraged to be a diva. And I mean, granted, she was a magnificent singer, extremely talented, but led such a sheltered, closed life and um within that life there was a lot of uh anger and um disruption in that family my grandparents my uncles my one uncle just revolted every chance he could get there was alcoholism on both sides of the family mainly my grandfather's on my mom's side so it was just like a shit show now on my dad's side you know grandmother was an the alcoholic and so my grandfather was the total enabler, mm-hmm. um, my paternal grandfather. So it's kind of interesting that my maternal grandparents did not drink, but the anger and the byproducts of being from alcoholic families mm-hmm. came through with such anger and resentment and secularism to, you know, I, my grandmother found her refuge in my mother mm-hmm. and, and putting all, you know, her costumes together, everything. And my grandfather worked his ass off and just was a belligerent real jerk until he, later in life. He was just an angry, angry guy from his past life. So if anybody else wants to add. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything to add? Um, I was just going to add, I'm not going to add anything on the mom side, but the dad side, uh, definitely <clears throat> son, son of an alcoholic mother, um, grandfather was completely codependent. The other thing was, um, a couple things on my dad is that he was, his name was, you know, Sam jr. And they called him Bobby. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently within the last couple months that I realized that, um, that was just to distinguish him from his father. And it wasn't a big deal, but my mom made it like a huge deal, you know, why he was called Bobby. And it was just a nickname. And the irony is all four of us have nicknames. None of us like have a, you know, our name is our name. Um, and my mother made a huge deal about it. Like, and what would she say? Um, well, she would make, she would. Can I, can I do I, it? I do it. Yeah, do it, Matt. Bobby. Because my grandmother had a distinctive, like, smoky voice. And she would say, Bobby. That's the way my, and my mom yeah. would just make it sound like horrible. 
Bye. Yeah. Because she hated my grandmother. Yeah. Because my mother was my mother was Italian. My father was, you know, English, Irish, German, and they didn't want her to marry my dad. They wanted her him to marry Dot, I think Dorothy. So like there was clearly they didn't get along. They didn't like my mother. My mother didn't like them. Um, so and then I think there was some trauma it, that happened to my father as a young man. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but something happened to him as a little boy that kind of shaped how he grew up. And I, I think between that and his mother's drinking, I think he started drinking as a as a younger adult to kind of absolutely yeah i think think he it was like he was like a teenager from what i remember i don't think he was a young boy so he was in that like formative stage and what my talking about is probably a homosexual something event happened with him in new jersey and you know you got to put yourself in the place back at that time there was so much shame and it was was not acceptable like it's somewhat acceptable today even though there's still problems with it today so I think he lived with that. He was like confused for a, a long time. And, and there, there's been some question about, you know, what drives alcoholism. Shame's mm-hmm. probably a pretty good one. And then the thing, Kate, if I can add real quick, I think dad was idolized too in his family. Like mom was put on a pedestal. Dad was like the smart kid and he was going to go places. And so there was this immense pressure on him to, you know, be the star. Yeah. So some of that, that's all I got. Can I ask how you were made aware of this traumatic incident that happened to your dad? Like, who did you hear this from? I think it was our uncle 20 years ago. Was it like 2002? We found out uncle Jim told us. I think so. And I I had asked our mother and she didn't dispute it. So I think my, I think our mother knew our father passed away in 2000, by the way, mom saw so let's start it here. At what point, and we'll go oldest to youngest, at what point did you realize that your family was not functional? <laughs> um, I could definitely say that it started uh, when we lived in Plymouth meeting. My dad would um, go for his reserves on the weekend, and he would also binge drink then. And he often would come home rip and drunk. And um, what do you mean go for his reserves? Navy reserves. He was in the Navy oh, okay, reserves yeah, yeah, his yeah, weekend yeah. duty. And um, I just remember him. I was in eighth grade in the marching band and he had to take me to practice. And we had to pull over because he had a vomit. Mm. And it just stunk, 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 stunk. And about sixth, seventh grade, I realized I was 12, 13 years old, just the dysfunction in the family, just that um, I was more aware because I, I was the oldest, 13, 14 of the fighting that was going on, 12, thir- 12 and 13 mm-hmm. of the fights that would go on and um, both physical and just yelling. Um, so that's about I, was about, I was about 11. Um, 11 or 12, I remember just, just more, more shit hitting the fan, so to speak. Do you remember what they would fight about? Uh, my mother hated the fact that my father drank. Um, my father would, ne- I never heard my father like 
or maybe I blocked it out, but I, I don't, I don't remember him responding at the level intensity as my mother would. So, um, I know there was some physical altercations, but I was upstairs and they were downstairs and I could hear it. I never went downstairs. I was too afraid uh, to go downstairs because um, my mother used to beat us as well. So I didn't want to get in the middle of any mm-hmm. other physical altercations. So it's about when 1975. Well, I, you know, I don't remember any specific instances of, of that happening. Uh, but I also think that I've repressed a lot of the memories I've had of that whole time. Uh, because mm-hmm. thinking back, I think of the experience of traveling from Plymouth meeting, uh, Pennsylvania to Hawaii and back numerous times. It was probably 81 or so 82 where I feel like we, I, we have, we had it. Uh, we were, we were done getting bounced around and being exposed to that dysfunction, you know, early, earlier on, there were times where I had to, uh, intervene. There was one time we were, I was trying to wrestle, uh, a knife, a steak knife out of my mom's hands. Yep. My father was uh, wrestling with her, trying to, she was trying to slice her wrist in, in the middle of the kitchen uh, in front of all us kids. And it was a, a, a physical fight. You know, I don't think it dawned on me at that point that this is not right. This is not normal because that's all I had been exposed to up to that point. You know, now looking back, it's clearly dysfunctional and clearly, um, I'd say, <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly uh, the basis for some of my uh, misshapen uh, ideals and values. And we'll get into more of the details of like yeah. what happened just for now. Um, what about you, Matt? When did you realize that things were a little fucked up? Um. I'm, a lot of it's like mixing together. Uh, I don't remember the weekend drinking, but I know that when my dad would go away for his two week, um, you know, reserve stint. Um, the story goes that he would call every night, but then there would be one or two nights where he wouldn't call my mom. And he'd be like, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go have a couple of beers. It was like, I'm going to go get blackout friggin' drunk. That's what, that's the way my dad drank. So you figure that's once a year he would go away and uh, to lose it alcoholic wise. But on the other side of that, I, I think we, we got to bring up this point. I don't know how far back, probably from the early beginning, and maybe you guys can fill in the details, but my mom wouldn't take us places. My dad did mm-hmm. like my dad took us to church and mom would stay home. Mm-hmm. And so that like continued all the way. We'll get into the Hawaii stuff, but we escaped my mother frequently because so we'd like say this all alcoholic thing. Uh-uh. There, there's a whole lot of that dysfunction coming from my mother, like this craziness, man. And she was not a participatory mother. And like we went and did stuff with dad. That's so I remember that. Like, why is mom not here? You know, mom's at home. And think, you know, we'll get into like mom not going to any of our events, I'm sure. 
But think about that, everybody. That started way the hell back then. She just didn't even do anything with us. So anyway, over. Well, being the youngest, I feel that it, it's it's been my whole life. My earliest memories, I'd say, were normal, happy, you know, Christmas and, you know, going to grandmoms. But it is around that time, I was probably four or five, <clears throat> where I don't I don't ever remember my father's drinking, but I remember uh, witnessing the fights and mom getting thrown into the wall at the bottom of the staircase when I was five or six, the fight that, that Joanne's talking about. Um, and I had a lot of alone time with my mother because I was the youngest of so the kids. Everybody was off at school. So it would be she and I, and it was, you know, at that point, you know, seventies, stay at home, mom, she cleaned the house, blah, blah, blah. We'd go out for lunch. Like that seemed normal. Um, Mm -hmm. but it really was when we started to get ready to move to Hawaii and we were, they went on some vacation to Hawaii because my dad was stationed there and went there. So they went there, I don't know, 76, 77, so I'm five or six, they come back and then announce, Hey, we're going to move. And we're like, what? So that begins the bouncing and the instability. And so, um, it was around then. And as soon as we landed, uh, you, you figured out that it's not, not normal, but the fighting and my mother's isolation from my dad's side of the family that started right around the same time. She wanted nothing to do with them. Okay. So your dad was stationed there, but he, I just want to make sure that I'm getting the story correctly. So, but he would only, but he would, did he have a regular oh, job yeah. too? So he, had a, he was in the Navy. Then he got out of the Navy yeah. and got a real job, but he was stayed in the yeah. reserves. So he would go yeah. to reserve duty, I don't know, X number yeah. of times at one of our local air bases. Yeah. And that's yeah. where he would go while we were in the Philadelphia area. And then, yeah. but he was, while he was in the Navy, he had gone to Hawaii and loved it. And he and my mother went there for, I don't know, second honeymoon. And the kids stayed back with a babysitter for two weeks. Well, then around 76, 77, they made the decision. We're going to sell everything. We're going to move to Hawaii and he's going to find a job when we get there. So, he, so I know this is bleeding. In- what was he doing? What did he do when he left the Navy? He, yeah. Yeah. He worked at Scott paper company as a CPA kind of person. Yeah. And that's kind of what he mm-hmm. did. Controller. And so, um, prior to having kids, did your mom work? Nope. Well, yeah, yes, no. she did. Secretary. Yeah, she modeled and she worked at SO as a secretary. And um, that was basically it. When she got married, she stayed home. How did they meet? Theater. They were in the King and I together, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, A couple couple productions. Yeah. The musical, high school musical scene was you know, not very big in Philadelphia at the time. So mom went to a girl's school, dad went to an all boys school. Can I tell a little bit of the story? A little bit of details. So my dad sent hundreds of resumes to Hawaii to try to find a job and none of them landed. So this is where the craziness starts. He's like, screw it. Let's just go to Hawaii. So what age was everyone? Seven. uh, I was in fifth grade. uh, Yeah, I was 14. 14, 12, 10, and 7. Yeah. So so we just, like, we, and the funny story that I have is they just bought, like, 20,000, like, this ungodly amount of furniture for the house. 
And then we said, screw it, we're out of here. And we moved to Hawaii and somebody else sold the house. I forget who sold the house. But then we okay. lived in a hotel for two weeks in Hawaii. And the Until kids were in job. one room and the, my parents were in another room and they were like down the hall. Uh, and so we lived, the now remember the ages here. We lived in a room by ourselves and my mom and dad were in some other room and uh, the Pagoda Hotel in Hawaii. Yes, yeah. like, for that. What island did you go to? Oahu. Waikiki. Yes. Yep. Was it in the middle of the summer? Yeah, yes. end of August. August, August 26th. Okay. August 26th. I'll never forget it. Something like that, yeah. It was like, it might have been, yeah, late yeah. August, whatever. Late August. Because they wanted to get there so we could be signed up for school. Go to school. Yeah. yeah, so, okay, so what did you do for those two weeks? Smelled trash. There was a trash well i know we went to waikiki beach and this is like pre-sunscreen and we all got sun poison on our faces and shoulders so uh that's all i remember yeah. is walking around waikiki and alan moana shopping center what was anyone pumped to move to hawaii no 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 okay. i remember being scared out of my mind we were very close to our grandparents the, my maternal grandparents on both sides no maternal. just my mother so like you know sundays were at nanny nanny and pop-up's house um typical italian so and it was it felt safe that was safe yes. yeah we had friends we lived in a suburban neighborhood we had tons of friends like it was normal we had a normal life in suburbia mostly, mostly. but like you know we had normal school and and then like the church was right behind us. So we had a good life and all that ended in an instant when we got on the plane and didn't have, didn't have any of that. So we had to make, well, you had some other protective factors, right? And that's what really like plays a big role into like how childhood trauma and dysfunctional families impact is like, if you have other family members that are healthy or, you know, community and all nanny. that stuff. So all we had was each other. No, we had nanny too, man. Nanny was a rescuer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah every time we wonderful. came back, she would rescue us. But yeah. even I, guys, I imagine. Sorry, Ashley, you're Andre. Uh, I imagine um, Nanny saved us from a lot of crap while we were growing up, too. You know, bringing us. Food. Well, that was going to be my question. Do any of you ever remember talking to her about it? I do. Or her bringing it up to you? No. Yeah. Um. So, like Sam said, we moved around a lot, and. By 1986, just eight years later, um, Dwayne, Sam, and Matt had moved out, and it was just my mom and I. And we left Philadelphia and we moved down to Cape May, New Jersey. And our nanny and papa bought a little house for us. It was a two bedroom house, so no room for anybody else. It was just me and my mother. So it was four houses down from my grandparents. So I never got along with my mother, surprise. So I spent a lot of time at nanny's house. So we did talk about it. I mean, I don't remember the specifics, but it was, Nan, why did you always have to get a house for us? Why did you always have to put us up? Like, um, and things like that. So, and I think she was just more apologetic that we had had to go through that, but she didn't really talk about the why. Hey, Kate, can I add some detail to the craziness of that move to the villas? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I was gonna say the hotel. We need to figure out what happened after the two. Oh, weeks. the two weeks. Well, oh, dad, yeah, we're he, jumping around. He was charming, and he got he got jobs. I've, you know, he's an accountant, so that the jobs are there no matter where you go. Uh, the story that I had, and anyone who's applied for jobs anywhere that's not in your city, 
is they don't want to pay for you to move, right? So that's probably why. Exactly. But if you're there, then you can get a job. So he got a job pretty quickly in Hawaii. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to. There's a lot of details about Hawaii, but I just want to add the two cents for the the move. I had gained or uh, earned a full scholarship for electronics tech school uh, when I graduated high school in 1986. And my mother got sick of Philly and said, I'm moving to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, uh, I just graduated. Well, like I got a graduation. Full scholarship. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? She's like, well, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, uh, all right. So we moved down to New Jersey. Uh, the week that we moved down, my, my friends were over in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I remember I rode my bike from the villas to Wildwood. And partied with them, not partied, but stayed with them for a week. And I came back, got in this huge fight with mom. She kicked me out. Yep. I was 17 years old. And I had nothing. I had nothing, no support from my parents. And I had to figure it all out. And I lived with my friends. And then my life got started. Um, But it was like complete insanity. And then I'll never forget. I remember I came back. Kate, do you remember when I came back? Probably a year later. I, I didn't talk to my mother for a year. I came back. She got, there was no, you know, normally like you come back and you got your room and you go, Mm-mm. nothing. There was no room for you. Nothing. It was gone. All my stuff was gone. Yeah. It was like, oh, I guess no I'm not coming home. <laughs> so two, two bedroom was, house. <laughs> two bedroom house. So that was my experience yeah. on, uh, you know, going out on my own. It was like, make it or break it. Yeah. Good Once luck. you're 18, you're on your own. Yeah. So anyway. And I can, um, I can kind of enlighten you about Hawaii. So we moved there in the summer of 78. Um, we got it. So you must've been going into your 10th grade. I was in ninth. I went into ninth grade and, um, we stayed, I'll just give you a, a synopsis. We stayed there for, um, all of ninth grade, one month of 10th. We moved back because my parents decided to split up. So I went through 10th grade, um, October 10th grade to March of 10th grade. Then they decided to get back together. We moved back to Hawaii. Did your dad stay in Hawaii and then your mom took you guys back? And then, and then we moved back to Hawaii. So that was the rest of 10th, all of 11th and one month of 12th grade. And then 12th grade, uh, she decided that was it for real, for real. And we left and that's how we ended up back in Pennsylvania. So all of us schlepping through the different school years, you know, five high schools um, was for me. And, you know, then my siblings, Sam and Matt and, you know, grade schools and middle schools and high schools. And yeah, I was lucky enough to be the only one of the four of us that went to one high school for all four years. <laughs> right. No. You know, I don't know what yeah. happened. The gods came and went. You got freaking lucky, me. man. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Yeah, I was lucky. And you know what? And here's the thing. Everyone else was su- successful. But for me, I was like, I was able to achieve things in high school. Like I made the yes. co-captain of the swim team and I was mm-hmm. the vice president of the class. And you can't do that crap if you're moving around a lot. Nope. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, there was some stability there. That you know quickly ended when I re- when I retired <laughs> when I graduated from high school. Right, so, right. But that, that's my little piece of that where there was. Yeah, that's story. right. That's right. Thank goodness for that. 
Yeah. I was valedictorian of my senior year though. Whoop, whoop. My final high school. And that was just a fluke. <laughs> so if I can just talk about how we left Hawaii oh, yeah. the first uh, time. Yep. Because this time? is a huge trauma point for me, one that I'm act I'm going to actively work on. So we had this beautiful house. Parents bought this beautiful house. Dad comes home drunk, rip roaring drunk from some uh, reserve thing that he's on. Cause I remember him being in his uh, Navy uniform. They're screaming, fighting. He's bashing her around. She's screaming at him. She comes up the steps. Cause our, my room's up there. She says, pack a bag, pack whatever you can get in one bag. We are leaving today. I was eight. So whatever fit in that bag is what we took. And we sat in the fucking Honolulu airport all day waiting for a flight all day. And whatever we had in the bag and on our back is what we yep. took. And so I, God knows how much these airplane tickets were, but we got on an airplane. I don't know, whatever time later, we land in Philadelphia, fucking raining. It's October, November. And where you come into Philadelphia is a sh you shit show oil refineries uh, that didn't cap the emissions back in the seventies metal recycling. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And again, you want to start talking about shame and don't talk. Don't talk about it. Uh, I don't remember us ever actually acknowledging the fact that we only had what was in that suitcase. So, and that is what, that's why we, it, we went and my uncle Joe picked us up at, at the airport. And I remember just none of us talking. We got to our grandmother's house and we lived with my grandmother for a couple of months and I had a room. I think Matt and Sam shared a room in the basement. God knows where my mother was. Um, and that was the first, you know, abandonment of us getting ripped away from my dad. And to me, like I, I was, I was actually just talking about this to my husband yesterday because we're trying to plan a trip back to Hawaii. I haven't been back there since we left. And I said, I have to brace myself for just landing in the airport because that airport is such a uh, source of trauma. Not only that, but then we went back and then we left again. And when we left permanently, my dad was standing in the window watching our plane leave. And Matt, I think you and I were sitting together and I had the window seat and I could see my dad standing there watching our fucking plane leave. Even at us. So um, you talk about dysfunction. So like, again, I don't remember a lot about my dad's drinking, but it's the, it was the constant abandonment of one person or another or getting ripped away from any kind of stability. So we get back to Philadelphia, we're living with my grandmother and then thankfully she get created a safe haven. We went to a, a, a uh, Matt and I, Matt, Sam and I went to once, Matt, you got to talk about the walk the walk where you walked to Plymouth meeting. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to talk about that. Um, yeah. And, and then we got an apartment and then my dad came back and like, I don't know what he said to my mother, but convinced us to move back. And that, so that we were home for five months. And this was the year that we all went to three different schools. That story that Katie's talking about the suitcase and stuff. That was the first time we left Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And dad had showed up this. So there's a little backstory there. Dad showed up in a taxi cab. And he had lost his car. That was one of them. The other one, he had that kick-ass uh, Grand Prix, that 78 that Grand Prix, that had, like, velour interior that he, like, got so pissed. Drunk. Oh, the gray, oh, the green one with the tan interior. 
you remember the green? It was beautiful, man. I love oh, that. yeah. But he ruined it. He like sat in the driver's seat, passed out, pissed all over it, destroyed it. I'm like, are you serious, Dad? You're gonna ruin this freaking car? Um, but so no. But the day that we left Hawaii the first time, beautiful house, like a, like idyllic place. My mom's like, get your clothes, get your clothes, and bring one toy. Yeah. One. Why do you need one toy to do the laundry, Mom? Because that's what I thought. She's like, get your clothes. And I was like, oh, we're doing laundry? No, we're leaving. I'm like, what? Yeah, we're leaving. Leaving Hawaii. I'm like, what? That was my impression. So, yeah, suitcase full of your dirty clothes and a tool. And that was it. And I wanted to bring my roller skates, and they wouldn't fit. So I don't even (laughs) think I brought anything. And it's so funny because what you guys describe, I have totally blocked out. Like it was yesterday. I don't remember any of this i like it was oh. yesterday we had the, the room our room was painted green and it was like a cloudy overcast day freaking clear as day yeah I, I, I have relived that day a thousand times yeah i remember <laughs> packing and wanting my roller skates in my my suitcase and not being able to bring it that i remember I that day them? sorry i brought my alligator <laughs> and i had my yeah hang on to that yeah, man. You know, the thing that I remember about that day, and my recollections are uh, very, very limited. Uh, I just remember hanging out in the uh, Honolulu airport and for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, Bob was, she had us in a different terminal away from the gate. And, uh, Hiding. I I remember that that it just took so long. We waited so long. Uh, I remember having a magnifying glass that I was burning leads or something. But uh, yeah, I just remember the fact that you know the the point of the matter was she was hiding from my father, which told me she was stealing us. That. Uh, the departure from Hawaii was not mutually agreed to, and she was taking us away from my father. The, the way that I remember this and having conversations with mom, and, and I know we vilify mom because she's nuts, but <laughs> the blessing in all of this is that we were not, I mean, we had our share of physical abuse at the hand of my father. There's no doubt. But the the witnessing of his drunkenness pretty much end started to end at that point, maybe one or two. And, and we went back to Hawaii and we saw it, but for me and for my sister, especially I did not witness my father and we did not get abused by my father. So there was some saving grace to my mother taking us out of the situation. So as shitty as it is, she actually did protect us from that. And that's the, that's what I've tried. The grace that I've tried to give my mother is that she was trying to protect herself and her four children. So as shitty as it was, is that he could have beat the shit out of us. We could have been sexually abused. God knows what have, what could have happened had we stayed there. Yeah. I think I I hear you, Kate, but uh, my dad, he, dad drank away from us. 
You know, he didn't. He'd always him. come. He would come home though, and he'd come home drunk. Last, yeah, Red, roaring drunk, and he he and mom would go at it, and he would beat her. Yeah, and I remember him. He would check on us. He would come in because I'm an extremely light sleeper. And so I've thought about this. Like, had we stayed, what would I have witnessed or experienced as a young female with a rip roaring drunk father? So he didn't drink at home, but he came home. Yeah, I'm not I'm not making it yeah. light on that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just it's, anyway. So let's talk about the roles. So like we have the hero, the scapegoat, the lost child, the mascot. Often we may occupy more than one role. We might switch. So I'd be curious to hear about that for y'all. I was the comedian. How about that? I'll start. I was, you were the mascot? I, could tell. I was a comedian. I kept everything. I'm like, hey, hey, look over here. There's nothing. No, the shit's not blowing up back there. Everything's fine. I think I was the lost child because I, I uh, don't remember much of that time. Uh, and as soon as I was able to, I got out of there. Hey, Sam, would you, could you, could we also say that you guys checked out before? Oh, you yeah. Know, like, think about, you know, like partying and just being outside the house. Like, shit, man, I wasn't in the house. I was never in the house. Even when Oh, yeah. There was, there was the park in that last uh, apartment across the street and we would hang out there till it got dark till the lights came on, you know, who knows what we were doing, but yeah, we didn't want to be home at all. No. And I, I, I remember taking on, you know, the role of caregiver. I did take on like the responsibilities, like, and, and uh, of going to my sister's, I think it was Katie's um, parent teacher meeting. And um, I, I did the boutonnieres for my brother's proms, you know, um, Katie baked cakes and cooked for us. Um, I worked full time. I went to school. When did you start and, working uh, full time? At what age? You were 16. I was You're 16. working at Popeye's chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I worked at Popeye's chicken. But like before that, I would clean houses and um, babysit and stuff like that. The first time we moved back from Hawaii. And then when we moved back to Hawaii, I worked at Liberty House. Yeah. I, I mean, I always worked full time because I had to give my mother money. Right. Hey, Pook, I started I working at when I was 12. Yeah. Mom got me a job at the rectory. I was 12 years old. Yeah. I I sitting at the rest rectory. Yeah, I, I did that too. I worked at Epiphany's Rectory. Like, whenever she could find us a job, she had us working. And I delivered papers. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. It was, it was like being on my bike with 140 <laughs> papers. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was incredible. The irony of all that is that our mother didn't work until she absolutely work. had to. Yeah. So, um. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Um, for me, I guess, I guess, I guess the last description is the perfect child, like the kid that's going to get the good grades and stay fly, like fly under the radar because I got to watch all the fuck ups of my siblings. I learned how not to get caught. Nobody talked about that. I mean, like where, where's the scapegoat? Like, where is that? Who was getting into trouble? We all kept our shit together for the most part. Nobody got arrested. Well, 
you know, I cut my figure in seventh grade, so that was traumatic. I cut my figure in a wood shop, almost cut oh. my figure off. So that seemed to take uh, a lot of the attention uh, from my mother and father fighting. Uh, the rest of it, you know, we all, well, I'll speak for myself. I, I got into hanging out at a bowling alley, uh, getting high, drinking, and doing who knows what. But uh, that's, that's what I did to check out. Was that in Hawaii, Sam, the bowling alley, or was that up in yeah, uh, Andorra? That was Hawaii. I remember that's when I first smoked the cigarette. Was in was at that bowling alley. Oh yeah, back, yeah. Back when, and I, I think my son we, at Virginia Tech right now is fourteen years old. I'm like, we had smoked weed in Hawaii well oh, yeah. before that age, and that's smoked right. cigarettes at the bowling alley and stuff like that. We weren't like hoodlums or anything like that, but it was like. I can't imagine these guys, my kids smoking weed at the ages that we did. I was sent right. to rehab at 14. Yeah. What's that? I oh, was sent to were... rehab at 14. Oh, oh my goodness. God. Yeah. I, I think, um, I know that for me, like being the oldest, I was always blamed. Why didn't the kids, why didn't I watch the kids, you know, not do this, not do that. And my mother would beat the shit out of me mm. and she beat all of us, but I remember her ripping my hair out, like, and just beating yeah. the shit out of me all the time um, over, you know, anything she could think of. She took it out on all of us. But I just remember, like, why didn't you watch and why didn't you prevent that from happening? Why don't you do that? But why don't you be a fucking mother and do it yourself? You know, yeah. you watch it over your own goddamn kids, you know, <laughs> instead of, you know, and I'm like, and then so, so I didn't you know, I took it and, and I, you know, she kicked me out of the house and I had to live out of the house. And then she had to have her hysterectomy. No, who did she want to come back me to help her? So, you know, it was just, it's just a vis vicious manipulation of power play throughout my entire life. That, that was back on Arrowhead Lane. You taught me how to shower or bathe myself. Did I? I'm, yeah, it was. There's this weird thing where, like, I'm mom's like, go bathe, and I'm like, I don't know how to, to <laughs> go like, bathe. To, go bathe yourself, boy. Bobby. Like, oh, That's Bobby. right, Bobby. Wash your ass, Bobby. You know, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's you were the one that's like, use the rag and here's some soap, and you put some shampoo in your hair, and you just like, why the hell did you teach me that shit? That's crazy, man. So well, she I'm happy. Out. What's I'm that? Glad it worked out, man. Glad you know how to wash your ass, Pablo. Yeah, I'm glad you're, you're welcome. Glad you're, you're welcome, able to Pablo. be. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. I owe you a cup of coffee. Happy um, to be of service. But yeah. just to go back, um, you know, I think having to grow up at a young age. I think we all talked about when our first job was. I was ten, cleaning her insurance office at, for five bucks a week. Because I had to buy everything I needed. So when I eventually needed yes. female products, I had to buy them. I had to buy my own school supplies. And it wasn't that we were destitute. It was because my fucking father didn't send the support check. And my mother worked minimum wage jobs as some secretary. So if we actually wanted or needed something, we had to pay for it. And it mm -hmm. was made known that if you want something, you have to go buy it. So I remember like, you know, the $5 that had to last. And sometimes I'd take a quarter and go buy a Pepsi, 
but I actually had two jobs. I delivered papers um, for years just to have some sort of money. So like we always had a hustle. We always had to hustle mm-hmm. and, and pay for our own things. So be extremely self-reliant. And I think, you know, I, it, it's catching up to me now. And Tammy, you and I were talking about it the other day. It's like, I'm so tired of working. I'm like, I'm only 51. I'm like, I've been working for 41 years. Like, when am I going to be done? You know, I think we're all like got that eye on the, when can we fucking stop working? Because we've had to work since we were little kids and figure shit out on our own. And, you know, when we talk about um, the time that we were on Smith Street, like the lack of parenting, I was eight or nine years old, walking around the streets of Honolulu, which is not a safe place. I'm wearing my sister's roller skates just so I could get there faster. And, you know, we were never home because it wasn't a safe home to be in. No. I almost feel like though, that because y'all had to hustle and work, that in a sense that prevented you from like totally fucking up. Like I was going to make a joke about that. I'm like, we didn't have time to fuck up. Yeah. Oh, and then mom, but our mother takes credit for that. Yeah. Well, look, you have, (laughs) yeah, but you're all turned out. Okay. Look how you turned out. That was because of me. It's like I never had a childhood, it seems like. Yeah. Like we were working on my story real quick is like I had three jobs at one time as a teenager in high school. I worked at Bob Castle's gas station. Uh, <laughs> I did the books at the at that shitty insurance place. And I worked at uh, Eagle Lodge. Yeah. Three, who the hell has three jobs like a teenager? Right. Yeah. And we handed our, our checks over to our mother. Well, let me say you know, this. I think I paid, but I didn't pay like you guys did. No, and you got, you guys you kept food on the table. Sam, you and Sam fed kept food on the table. And, and clothing. You bought me clothes, Pook, and Sam, you know, I have fond memories of leftover cheeseburgers and bags of chicken nuggets coming home. And that was the meat that we ate because you cooked mm-hmm. too much. Well, I like quarter pounders, man. Quarter pounders. Did your dad stay in Hawaii? Yep. He did the entire time. Oh, oh, I got a story about that. I'm sorry. So he came back like the last time he came back to Philly. We were, were, you know, graduating high school and whatever. And he's like, wow, I come back and everybody's leaving. And I'm like, you dumbass. (laughs) What did you expect? Yeah, I think we saw him maybe three times in 10 years. Maybe. Yeah, he he was. He stayed because he was in active addiction. So there was no way he could come back. Because he knew it. Where would he stay? With us? He wasn't going to stay with us. He did eventually move back to Philadelphia in 1991, 92, um, yeah. because he had uh, he was a very sick man by then. But so my dad sent me, brought me out to Hawaii when I graduated high school. I had two weeks out there in Hawaii, and he had this dream that I was going to stay there and go to University of Hawaii. <laughs> And I'm like, what are you talking about, Dad? I'm here for a visit, man. But what had happened was that you talk about active alcoholism. I will never forget. I looked in his room. I should have never looked in his room. I opened up his door. I was like, holy shit, Dad. He had a dirt. It it was like a crack den in his freaking room. Talk about a shit show. That room was a shit show. That man's a grown man. He had a mattress, a shitty disgusting mattress on the ground and there was crap all not crap but yeah. junk filth all over his room i'm like who lives in here like a crack at the addict and that was his house that you know anyway so then the, the, then we would visit the ore house sam knows about the 
Whorehouse. O-A-R. It's a bar. Not W-H-O-R-E. Not whore. Not whore. Or. Without the W-H. But the Whorehouse, and I'll never forget, like, I was playing pool, and they're like, how old are you? And then when I said I'm 17, they kicked us out, and they we, we weren't allowed to go back. And then my dad and I, we moved into some, uh, like, apartment room that the, the hospital we worked at sponsored. So we, like, completely moved out of this shit house, and we never went back to the ore house. And so, but that's how fucked up he lived. It was like, Dad, who the fuck lives like this? Matt, and he lived like that when he moved back to Philadelphia when he was on uh... – I had to clean out that apartment, which yeah. was a whole, that was 1999, 1998-99, and he had still lived the same way. He had a room in a boarding house with a bunch of other alcoholic men, right. and right. I went in there, and I, it was awful, but that's, that's a topic for another chapter. What was the cause of death? Cirrhosis? Uh, it was cancer, which ultimately got him, but he had pancreatitis uh, really bad of course alcoholic disease uh, but he came out to uh tucson to live with us uh i i think it's fair to say that he lived with every one of us at one time or another and finally came out to tucson and after he because he had dementia he was starting to lose his mind uh he wander away from the house and then we have to go find him so we ended up putting him in a house a home where he was not able to leave and uh, eventually he died there not too long he was he he just turned 62 right yeah and he was just shy of turning show. 63 on matt's birthday on my birthday sam and poop they lived in arizona they call me up on my birthday i'm like oh hi guys happy birthday da, da, da. Well, Matt, dad died on my fucking birthday. Could you imagine? Like, really? Oh, the irony. Oh, I love it. Uh, and then my father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law, you guys, I don't know if you know this, but Lionel, every year is an old Jewish guy. You know, you, you have respect for the dead. He's like, on my birthday, he's like, I'm so sorry your dad died. I'm like, really, Lionel? <laughs> You don't ever have to say that again. And he's like, for freaking 10 years, it's like, oh I'm so sorry your dad died. I'm like, no, okay, you're freaking killing me. Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, you are so very welcome. That was good, wasn't it? Next week is is just as good. So come on back for more. Come on back for these juicy, delicious treats I be serving up here. Join the Patreon for more delicious treats. Join the Patreon to thank me for, for these delicious treats I be serving up. And hit a girl up. Send me some emails. Send me some DMs. And I will see you guys next week for another fucking amazing episode of this show called Adult Child. It's going to be super awesome. Super I'm super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be a goodie. I promise. Let it all go.